Shalom Macon will be streaming all of our High Holy Day services on our YouTube channel. Go to shalommacon.org for the complete schedule. Thanks for joining us. Okay, easy, easy first question. Anyone ever been to the doctor or the nurse, their favorite nurse practitioner? I, I would think everyone has been to the doctor. Okay, good. So I just wanted to make sure, though. Now, a lot of people are really, really good about going for regular checkups and doing the things that you're supposed to do. Most of us, I think, are probably not. And we show up at the doctor or our, our whoever's taking care of us because we have a problem. Something's not working. Something is broken. Something we're concerned about. Something we're sick. We have, you know, something that's hurting. So... I want you to imagine this scenario for just a second. Hannah runs a very big practice as a nurse practitioner in Griffin. I want, to, I want you to imagine that I go to Hannah's office, and I'm waiting on the table, and Hannah walks in, and we exchange pleasantries and shake hands. You can do that again these days, you know. And Hannah looks at me and says, all right. So what, what brought you in today? And I go, and Hannah uncomfortably says, okay, what's going on? What's bothering you? And I go, okay. What is, why are you here? Why are you here, Damien? That's uncomfortable, isn't it? Isn't that a very awkward exchange when you go to the, or how about Irvin? Irvin is a PhD in psychology, runs a therapy practice. How about if I go to Irvin's office, I sit, do you have a couch? I lay. On the couch, kick my feet up, and Irvin, exchange pleasantries. Good to have you. How are you, Damien? How are you? Okay, well, wh why are you here today, Damien? <laughs> and Irvin awkwardly is asking, trying to probe, what's going on? Is that, does that work? Is that a way to uncover information and to, to have things get better? I mean, all you do is you stare dreamily and, the, and, and something has to happen in order for something good to happen. I have to do something in these situations. What do I need to do? Communicate. I need to open my mouth and say, yeah, Hannah, this is happening. Irvin, I'm dealing with this. I have to communicate. I have to talk. So listen, you have to verbalize, and then you need to, you need to make some decisions. So last week when I told you that we were going on a trip during these 10 days to meet with God, the king in the field, well, there's a little bit more to that in the illustration that I have just given you here in its weird and uncomfortable way for the two participants that were on the receiving end, as I stare at them, is the illustration that tells you exactly what the other thing is. We are in the time that I spoke of last week. We're in our, our temporary white robe. I'm going to update that white robe for you just a little bit. 
to talk about the great physician. And this week, I want you to imagine that we're with him right now. During the 10 days leading to Yom Kippur, the climax of, of getting better, but, but the great physician here, I'm not talking about the classic interpretation of the physical healing. Take it to the great physician. He can fix everything. I'm talking about your, not your physical, but your spiritual and mental healing. Moving on, getting past, as John Mayer once said. But back to our illustration. If we're going to meet the great physician to work on our spiritual, emotional, mental healing, there are some very important things that we must do. Four things, actually. Four things, according to Judaism, and in a very particular way. So even in our spending time with the king discussion, you know, your white robe, your temporary days of all garment, I'm going to, the update is that now this is your hospital gown. Okay, now the good news is it ties in the back completely. It's closed. I see you, dad. I have to share this story. This is completely off topic, but I want to invite you to use it at some point if you would like to. My dad was having some medical tests done, and they brought in the robe, and they said, need you to go ahead and, you know, everybody loves that, right? The, the awkward moment. Need you to go ahead and slip the robe on. He said, well, you can leave your underwear on. And my dad went, but I don't have to, right? <laughs> and the lady went, No, I, I guess not. <laughs> so sometime, just to kind of balance the uncomfortable level, you can try Richard Eisner's hospital gown trick. Now, sorry. Back to what we're doing here. If I hadn't seen my dad, I wouldn't have thought of it. But everyone loves that point, right? Where you're there, you, you've, you, you got something going on, and the doctor says, all right, we're going to need to do some tests. Slip your clothes off, put the gown on. It's like, ugh. But it's important. It's an important part of what is happening. So you have to, when you get to the doctor, you communicate. In order for their therapist to help you, you communicate. They are not mind readers. Now, the good news is God is a mind reader. Okay? But guess what? Judaism instructs us that we are still required to communicate with him, even though he knows Everything that's ailing you. Everything. And I would not have done my job in a series called Real Repentance about Shuva to take you this far in and then not give you these four practical steps that are a part of the process we are about to go through as we step into the Day of Atonement in Yom Kippur. But I want to also tell you just quickly... Yes, we talk a lot about this right now, but this, these are always available to you. The days of awe when the day, when God is close and it's this tangible emotional feeling, but teshuva is always available to you. These will always be the four steps to genuine repentance according to Judaism. Here's what you must bring. Number one, step one, the thing you must do. You must regret the action. You must regret it. Doctor, 
I have not been taking care of myself. I know you told me that I had to take this medicine, but I have not been doing it. My body is breaking down. Now I've come to a place where things are not working properly. You were right all along, and I know I must do something different. Regret comes from the acknowledgement that something just simply isn't going right. You regret actions and steps that you've taken. That is step one. It comes from this acknowledgement. I've made bad decisions that are hurting me. Or in the case of our deeds, sometimes our bad decisions are hurting others. And we regret that. We regret that. Or me and, and my relationship with you, God, I regret it. We have not done something or we've done something that caused damage. Step one, we regret it. Now, remember in our discussion of sin, sin has a very obvious connotation in religious circles. Sin simply means missing the mark. That's what the Hebrew background of the term means. It means you missed the mark. And so you regret missing the mark as step one. Step two, the thing you must do, you must abandon the activity, the action, the behavior. Cease and desist. Cease and desist. Sorry, I that all Cease and desist. Stop doing the thing you regret having not done or done before. Abandon the thing. When we identify that something is doing damage, to regret it is actually a very easy first step, isn't it? When you hurt someone, if you're rational, if you're normal, you regret that. That doesn't necessarily mean that you won't do it again, like almost immediately. Step one, regret it. Two, stop, cease and desist. And you ask yourself this question. Think about this. Think through this. Talk with yourself. Communicate with yourself. Why do I do this thing? What is it? What is the perceived pleasure I derive from doing this? What value is there in my life because this is a part of my life? And then you really need to do something because you'll find answers. And you know what you'll do to create many of the answers that you use? You will rationalize the behavior. We are the master rationalizers. It started way back, back in the Garden of Eden. There was this lady named Chava. You know her as Eve. You see, the devil didn't actually make her do it. You know what the devil made her do? Convince herself that she should do it by rationalizing the behavior. Did God really say, he asked? And Eve said, hmm, you know what? He did, but I don't like what he said. He, why should he be able to be the one who has the knowledge of good and evil? I mean, Adam and I are his creations. We, we, I think we deserve to know this as well. It takes one little tiny seed that can get planted for us as the master rationalizers to create a whole world of behaviors around something that we feel is justified. I look at inappropriate content on the internet because my spouse is, she, it's he, she is not romantic enough for me. So, uh, or I, I, I smoke cigarettes or I drink too much because you know what? I work hard. I don't ever go to the gym because you know what? I'm just too busy for that. I mean, I've got a lot of other really important things that are depending on me. We are masters of creating a rationalization that keeps us from saying, you know what? No. 
stop the behavior. I'm going to now listen. I want to be very, very careful here because there are physiological addictions that people suffer from. And we've talked about some of them, some of them very uncomfortable. Things that release dopamine and do things, and there's a wide list of them. And sometimes it's just not that easy. I understand that. But these are the steps. This is the process. Regret. Make a commitment to abandon the behavior The thing you must do, step three. Actually, this is where it gets, goes to our doctor analogy, our nurse practitioner, our therapist, our psychologist. You must say it. It's called vidui in Hebrew. It's part of the Yom Kippur service. You must confess it. And not like to the guy behind the metal screen with the black collar and sit in there for, Father, I have sinned. Not talking about that. I'm talking about a pronouncement of, I am sorry. Because when you say, I am sorry, and you acknowledge it, it gets very real. It's an acceptance of responsibility. And so God says, Say to me. There is no commandment for teshuva. You realize that? There's, no, there's nothing where God says, you have to come and do this. Because if someone's not following the Torah to begin with, and God writes a commandment and says, and now you need to repent for all the things that are in the Torah that you're not doing. Well, where's the commandment? It's in the Torah. I'm not doing that either. But when you do decide and make the decision that you're going to do this, then it is incumbent upon you to Confess it. Step three. Say it. The words I'm sorry make it real. Admission, acceptance, acknowledgement. And the power of those two words. Kelly and I have been married a long time. For the majority of that marriage, Kelly always apologized to me first. Because I was prideful and haughty and had learned to hurt people with words and never back up on it. And she would come and she would say, I'm sorry. And I would know down in my guts that it was me who had done it. I had started it. I had thrown the harsh words, whatever. But she would always say, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this. I hate the fact that we're here. Let's not do this, I'm sorry. The power of the verbal acknowledgement of something is where it begins. Unsaid is undone. Unsaid is undone. You know, all the other things that we talk about in this process, they're inside, they're internal. This is, they're internal, this is interpersonal. This takes it out from inside, puts it in another person's sphere. And you don't actually know what the response is going to be, do you? But you just do it, because that's part of the process. Step three, the Dewey confession. There are three people, there are three parties. You might acknowledge this to another human. You might acknowledge it to God. And sometimes you have to acknowledge it to yourself. Sounds weird. 
sounds a little, I don't know, new agey isn't the word, whatever, but to just say, golly, I have let myself down. I'm going to change this. I hate it. I'm doing something different. I'm sorry that I've gotten to this place. The the fourth step, number one, repent. Two, abandon. Three, confess. Say it. Say the words. Four, resolve to not do it again. And in my mind, this is the time right after you've said, I'm sorry, I do not want to be this person anymore. I do not want to be the person who does this thing. And this goes way back to our repentance series where I say, I am not that person. I am this person. This is like me. That is not like me. I don't want to do that anymore. Make a resolution, not a New Year's resolution, a committed internal resolution with God's help to say, I am this That's repentance, according to Judaism, in four practical steps. Regret it, abandon it, confess it, and commit to not do it again. That's what teshuva is. And Rosh Hashanah has been forward vision. What, you know, why do we go to the doctor? Because something's wrong and we want to get better. We recognize a problem, a situation. We want to change it. That's Rosh Hashanah. We talked about it. We look forward. We've got to take some action to get rid of the problem before you can really work on getting better. And as I shared with you on Rosh Hashanah, the evening of, that's why the holidays are ordered like this. So that you can do this work and then on Yom Kippur, you can bring it before the Lord and you can confess it. That's the moment of freedom, actually. That's the moment. Yom Kippur is taking that first action, that process. So we go to the great physician and we have this conversation. See, I asked, I, I told you last week, Hashem invites us to come as we are, but, you know, you, and you can, you can do the... But you're not going to get very far. There is a place to rest in the arms of God and to feel mercy and to understand the love and the overwhelming compassion that God feels for us when we sin. But there is also a time then to take the action. And that's what we do on Yom Kippur. Literally telling him what's ailing with you to be engaged in a conversation, to be willing to listen, to regret, abandon, confess, commit. And it should be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, Yom Kippur is, who loves it? Who has been waiting since last year for Yom Kippur with just jumping around? These last few days, you've been running and jumping and all around work. You're like, Yom Kippur is coming. Yay. No one is that. Because it's very uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. That's the symbol of Yom Kippur. It's called denial, but it should be just, ugh. That's our feeling that we have about it. And that's good for you. Do you know why? Life, to really achieve in life, you know what it most often takes? Uncomfortable action. To move from where you are to where you want to be, almost undeniably requires uncomfortable action. That's why they call it a comfort zone. 
and we create comfort zones around our behavior, bad behavior, sin, whatever. So you have to be uncomfortable, sometimes even painful. But Shimon Apistor phrased this so well. Listen to this. Listen to this. We need to eliminate the confusion that exists between comfort and pleasure. We need to eliminate the confusion that exists right here between comfort and pleasure. Comfort is nothing but the absence of pain. Pain and effort and discomfort, though, are often prerequisites for lasting pleasure. A comfort zone is not where you want to be. And so you have to be uncomfortable to get more pleasure out of life. Whatever it is, you need to tell the doctor about it. If you're honest, he has the cure, starting with this fresh bill of health. And spiritually speaking, you're going to find that right here. But I'll give you this last little thing here. When the doctor asks you what's wrong and your elbow is killing you and you say, oh, it's my knee, doctor. Or when your heart, you have major chest pain and you go to the ER and you say, what's wrong? Oh, my head is killing me. What kind of moron would do that? When you have a serious issue, you need to be honest and real about it. And sometimes you won't even know what your issues are. So I got news for you. Listen to what other people have told you over the last year about you. Tune in. The things that maybe made you really uncomfortable or angry that someone told you about you Listen to it. The feedback that you receive from others about you is often very helpful. Not always. There are very mean people in the world. But you're honest. What's wrong? My knee is killing me, doc. I have chest pain. Like I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. You're honest and you're desperate. And you want to be helped. And that's a part of it. You know, the, the Haftorah reading today, Shabbat Shuvah, the Shabbat of return, it's from Hosea. It starts in verse 2, but 14, 1 through 10, he says, Shuv, return Israel to the Lord your God, for you've stumbled because of your wrongdoing. And listen to what he says in verse 2. And this is what I want you to take into the holiday. Hosea says to Israel, from God, speaking through him, take words with you and return to the Lord. What does that mean? It means everything I've just said for the last 25 minutes. Take words with you. Be real. Be genuine. Be honest. Say to him, take away all the guilt, Hosea says, and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. But I'm going to give you this last little bit in conclusion to take with you. It's the theme of everything I've taught up to this point for this, this real repentance. Now you have the four steps. You know what needs to be done. You can think through those in advance. You can bring them in. By the way, as you read through the Maksor and we read, or Ashamnu, we have sinned, it says. We have sinned, ashamnu, for the sin of this. We say alchet, for the sin of this, for the sin of this. You remember it from Yom Kippur. We stand and we say it over and over and over again. And I, try, I tell you every year, 
It's a long list. Judaism's done a lot of the hard work for you. If you read through here, you're guaranteed to find at least one thing. And that's my point up to this point in these messages I've told you. You may not be able to dump the whole bag out. You may not be able to confess and walk out of here a completely different human being, but one thing. One thing is the step toward the new you. And I hate to sound like Joel Osteen or something, but that's real people of progress. Nothing against Joel Osteen. He has a ministry that helps a lot of people. It's just not my style. People of progress. And when you have this moment of revelation, of letting go, of release, of whatever it is, and I guarantee you can have at least one, you may not hear an angelic host. Hallelujah! You may not feel an overwhelming flow of the Spirit come out of your head and dance with fire on the ceiling. You may not feel much of anything but I want you to think about how medicine works. When you're sick and you go to the doctor and he gives you medicine, where does it start working? On a microscopic level in your body, it begins to change what is broken, what is sick, into what is healthy and well. We are taking our words to the great physician. And we are asking him to prescribe what only he can prescribe. And that is freedom from bondage. Freedom from the things that keep us held in a comfort zone. Maybe not even uncomfortable, just too grossly comfortable. And when we do that, it begins to nourish the inner part of you. So that eventually, the outer part can also be reflected in the world out there. That's how medicine works. That's how the great physician works. And that's what we came here for. That's why we come here. You don't come here to hear me talk. You don't come here to, you know, sit in the seats. You certainly don't come to Yom Kippur to be happy. In the end, yes. But you come here because you desire to be different. And that change of direction and fresh start, I'll tell you this. I'll see you Tuesday night. I'll see you Wednesday. Because the doctor is in. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed this message of preparation for the High Holy Days. Shalom Macon will be streaming all of our services live on YouTube. Go to shalommacon.org for the complete schedule.